Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. Life, life, life. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. Byron White here with Kim Schneiderman. Kim, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to step out with you. The, the, the name of your, the name of your book, of course, is "Step Out of Your Story." Tell us a little bit about stepping out of your story. And by the way, the, the first part of your book is just wonderful, explaining your uh, the preface, explaining that your own story and how you learn to step out of your story. Maybe you could start with that as a wonderful explanation for the roots of this this wonderful book you've written. Sure. So, oh, so you want me to tell you about how, what inspired me to write the book? Sure, yeah, the inspiration. Bring it on. Okay, bring it on. Um, so, uh, let's see. There's, well, as you know, there's many ways to tell a story. And um, so let me figure out how I want to tell this one. Um, I, you know, I was always kind of a very um, interesting kid. And... Um, I used to sort of imagine my, that I was a character in a novel. Um, and whenever I had any sort of why me moments, um, when I felt like difficult people or circumstances were challenging me, you know, I'd sort of imagine that I was reading about the exact same situation in a novel. And first I would ask myself, like, what would I hope the main character would do in response to these circumstances or what actions or outcomes would I root for in the reader of this story? Or, you know, because I always appreciated the character development novels, like why would a benevolent author place this character in a particular situation? And, you know, what might this situation be teaching her? Eventually, uh, in my own life, I've had, um, the last 10 years, I've had, um, uh, I've lost um, both of my parents to cancer. And it really kind of pushed me to see if I could reframe the way that I told my story because one could look at that kind of experience as a real tragedy, given that it's really that the experience of taking care of both of my parents um, as caregivers really helped me um, change my relationship with uh, both of them in a really beautiful way that I, you know, Heal the relationship with my father by in the last couple of months before he died by uh, really getting to know him in a, like a much deeper way. It really feels like you know a story of redemption. So kind of the idea of the book is like there's many ways to tell a story, and you can tell it as triumph. You know, you can tell it as a triumph, or you can tell it as a tragedy. But one way, you know, to um, but the you know the more empowering way, the way that kind of energy is to is to tell it as a personal growth adventure. What benefit do you think can be gained by standing outside of yourself in a situation and seeing yourself as a character in the story? What what is gained from that? I'm quite curious. Do you feel like you can control the story a little bit better? You can tell the story a little bit better? Can you make decisions better? 
Tell us about that outside world uh, thought process going on here, because it's quite fascinating. Sure, sure. I, hear, I think you're referring to the fact that most of my writing exercises are framed in the third-person narrative. And, so, and there's been a number of studies that show that actually looking at your life in the third-person narrative helps you view it through more like gentler and more compassionate eyes. So the benefit of looking at it as a character in the story is that um, you can apply sort of the elements of the story you can, like, sometimes the things that happen to us, we don't, it, it, it's hard to make sense of it all. Um, but when you look at your life as a story, you can see how just like there's, in every story, there's tension between the protagonist and the antagonist. And that tension creates the conflict that pushes the, you know, protagonist or the hero of the story to muster, you know, the, you know, the courage or the, the emotional muscles <laughs> that they need to uh, develop the tools and insights to move to the next chapter. And we always kind of like, we know this intuitively because every time we watch, read, you know, we read a book or we watch a film, we kind of root for them. We expect that, that, that the main character is going to be transformed in some way. That's really hard when it's our own story to, to have that objective standpoint, you know, because Sometimes just things are really overwhelmed by our emotions. And so writing about the, in ourselves in the third person helps us step out of our story so we can look at it more objectively and really sort of mind the, mind the experiences um, uh, as, that challenge us as ways to um, strengthen those maybe underdeveloped emotional muscles. If that, does that answer your question? It does. <clears throat> Tell us a little bit about the art of storytelling in general. Some people are very good at it. Others are not. How important is storytelling to, to the journey in life that we're, that we're, that we're all, all moving through? Oh, well, it's hugely important because it's how we make meaning of our lives. And it's not just about how, you know, like, obviously, again, there's infinite ways to tell our story. And you'll notice, you know, the, the same, you'll, we always, we can tell that if you've probably noticed that you could tell the same story to your best friend, it's going to sound different than if you tell it to your, um, to your boss or to maybe somebody who's the antagonist of your story. And, the, but the most important person that we need to be, you know, aware of when we're telling our story is how it affects ourselves. Because how we tell our story affects how we feel about our story. And then how I feel about our story can really impact how it unfolds. So, for example, like, you know, you might be unemployed and um, you tell yourself that this always happens to me, right? And, and you feel like nothing, nothing is going to change. And that's going to make you feel really bad. And so maybe you might get an interview or maybe you won't because you won't do the things that you need to do to get the interview. But if you do get an interview and you're kind of like, and you're kind of going in with this sort of discouraged, uh, you know, discouraged sort of feelings, that, that is going to come across to the interviewer. And maybe you won't. It'll be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So really it, it depends on, you know, how, you know, how you tell your story kind of influences how you feel about it. You know, and some of you, I would say that often human suffering can be attributed to a storytelling deficit, you know, an inability to make meaning from, you know, the raw materials of our lives. <clears throat> storytelling, from my perspective, is, is a very critical component of my DNA and who I am. Uh, my stories 
tend, and I want to ask you about why I do this. That's why I'm asking. My my stories tend to be, and by the way, I'm pulling from your psychotherapist background and perhaps your journalism background here. So, but I think it's relevant to the book and in this story today. Um, my stories tend to be about, you know, running my boat aground on the Cape and how foolish I was or skiing with my son on a closed trail after hours or, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, leaving fishing poles on my boat when I pulled it out of the water and going through town and getting the lures <laughs> caught in a tree, you know, just crazy Byron stories, right? Those are, those are uh, fun stories. They're they stories. are fun. They're critical. <laughs> uh, there's, there, I have hundreds of them and, and people right. love hearing them. Now, uh-huh. what does this, how does this fit with your concept of, of stepping out of your story? And, and you know, what is my story? How do I step out of it? How do I have confidence to almost criticize my stupidity, right, in, uh-huh. in, in, in these stories? Um, and by the way, my father told me something critical once many years ago. He said, you should... You should never be afraid of your stupidity, but you should always hide your ignorance. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's very true when it comes to my storytelling. But tell me what's going on with this 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 storytelling uh, flair that I have, and the and how it fits with your book. Well, actually, I'm I'm not sure exactly how it fits with my book, but the, but it occurs to me that that you're kind of. Um, I mean, maybe you don't even need my book because you're you're telling your story with a good sense of humor, mm-hmm. which which to me is, um, you know, again, you, it's sort of there's many ways to read your story, and you could look at it. I mean, they don't sound doesn't sound like you've committed any capital crimes. <laughs> so, you know, you I guess the way my exercise is look for also look for like learning opportunities in every mm-hmm. experience that you have. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you just sort of took it a step further, your story is a step further and said, and, and thus I learned not to, you know, do mm-hmm. such and such. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and also be, be careful. I, I would say one of the ways my writing exercises might help is sort of um, getting away from these judgments you have about being stupid. I mean, we all have things that we do that, you know, um, Aren't are not you know always uh, done with a lot of forethought or that are you know, um, but at the same but you know we all you could look at it like tell me I'm sorry tell me it's like I said I haven't I I have I've only had one cup of coffee so what um was the one give me one of the examples that you offered. Well, we, we could skip we skip around right that. Yeah, so no, can... no worries on that. We'll move on to another one. I think you answered that one perfectly. George will okay. cut, cut that cut that last part out there. Okay, okay, okay. Ten seconds before you go into the next segment. Thanks. Tell us a little bit about um, the art of the story in general and getting to know sort of the star of the story. You have a wonderful uh, chapter three there that begins to walk people through, you know, the exposition, the conflict, the climax. Why is it important to understand the, the, the star of the story and, and to, to, particularly with your writing exercises? Right. Well, it's all about getting to know ourselves. You know, we want to know, like, we want to get a good sense. And in order to know where we're going, it helps to know, like, who we are at the beginning of our story. You know, every story has um, an exposition that kind of introduces the, you know, all the characters to the reader and the setting. And the idea is, like, the more that we know about ourselves, and we don't always stop to, like, really um, to step out of our stories and take a look at the character we're playing. So... By um, 
what I have, what I have uh, readers do is write a character sketch about themselves that looks at like, what do I want? You know, what is, or what is the, what is, who is the protagonist? What does he or she want? What's getting in the way? And what's at stake? And those four questions help the, um, the reader um, get a better sense of where the protagonist is heading. Because, you know, if you're not really clear on who you are, you're, you're not going to really understand where you want to go. Um, and so we can get a good sense from doing that, you know, first exercise as to what the potential character arc um, might be for the character of your story. Why do we not want to get to know ourselves? What's our mental block there? Well, I think it's like probably finding out things that um, don't aren't pretty. I mean, nobody there's to um, they don't want to look at the uh, the more challenging aspects of themselves because it might remind them of maybe people in their lives who raised them and they might feel like they have like similar quality. Um, it, it might make them feel, I mean, you know, especially there's a lot of people who feel like they need to be perfect. You know, um, I'm always surprised about that. You know, I need to be perfect. And if I have like a, a flaw or, you know, if I have um, a problem that makes me somehow deficient or inferior and People don't want, as you know, I think Brene Brown has been really great about, you know, talking about what it means that it's really a, a good thing to be vulnerable. And people are afraid to be vulnerable. One, because it's kind of scary. And two, because they have really a misconception that, you know, they, that if they're vulnerable means something's wrong with them and that's disastrous and that they, you know, aren't like the rest of, you know, the rest of us who are all, have it all together. So... I think it's one of the problems is that people, there's not enough um, there's not enough of a an understanding um, or acceptance in society of our of our basic humanness, you know, and imperfection. Let's take a break, everyone. Back in just a minute. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. 
Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's maps and localized results. Providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world, The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio. T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, Kim. Great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about something you refer to in the book called, you know, um, this unrecognized personal victory that your story is trying to get at. How can you, what happens when you discover this unrecognized personal victory as you're building your characters that are, you know, facing fear or uh, changing in an attitude or kicking a habit? You know, what happens at this aha moment of recognizing this personal victory in the stories that you, that you, that you write and, and tell using your methodology? Well, I guess in classic adventure stories, the hero almost always challenges and destroys an enemy or the monster or the villain. But, you know, in real life, these, you know, climatic confrontations don't really involve the destruction of others, but, you know, con- confronting and slaying one's inner dragons to achieve an important outer goal. Um, and for some people, this can mean like engaging, you know, uh, and the antagonists of your story in a constructive dialogue, you know, or just mean, it can mean standing your ground. You know, perhaps the hero finally musters the courage to confront a bully or come out of the closet or profess romantic feelings for a best friend or ask for a divorce. And these moments are really powerful and it's very hard to change anything about yourself, you know, and it's not something that we often talk about. Um, We don't normally, when you bump into an old friend that you haven't seen in 10 years, and you say, what are you up to? They they usually want to say they've succeeded in or something that they want to provide good news, but but what if they've just like conquered their, you know, what if they were like an angry person and the thing that they've done that's most important is now like they're not losing their temper so much or they're able to, you know, sublimated into artwork or whatever it is, you know, or people don't, but these, these, these characters, these, you know, maybe there's a mom that her, you know, has been, when her kids do things, she starts screaming and she's suddenly learned to be more patient and to take a couple of deep breaths. And she's finding that her children are responding to her really differently. These, these are really important personal victories that we don't always 
take stock of or value. And so by stopping sometimes is to look at yourself and say, wow, I've grown that way. You know, I've really grown. I've, I started out being this way and now I'm, I'm here, you know, I started being one way and now I'm, I'm, I'm it's almost like a, like I've an evolved character. So I think it's important to really value the, that inner, like what I call the inner story because the external story are like the things that happen to, happen to us, you know. Oh, I took a vacation this summer and, you know, we went to the cat, you know, we, whatever. We, but the inner story is how we, are the things that we experience and how we evolve. And having, you know, those moments um, when we can sit back and say, well, I'm not, I'm not who I was. You know, I handled that situ- situation differently. Um, those, are, those are like important, uh, pivotal moments. Um, and I think what, that's kind of like what being a human being is really all about is, is, is growing in these like really subtle but, but also really important ways. Does that answer your question? It does indeed. Okay. Another one for you. Many more for you, but we probably only have time for a few more. Okay. As, as, your, as your writing exercises help us perhaps make our life better, which I'm certain they do, and, and fully mm-hmm. grasp what, what's, what's, what's unfolding in a story, even an active story that's moving on in our lives. And no one can predict the future, and, and no one can control the future. How is it possible to predict your your character's flow and, and arc and participation in, in the outcome of a story? How is that possible? Well, we can't predict the outcome of the story. I mean, we're, you know, there's, there's no way we can. We can get a sense of where we're heading, you know, for example, by doing the character sketch at the beginning of the, of the book where you, have a, you can kind of get a, you can, it's sort of like, Hearing the first couple, you know, the first couple of, you know, the first uh, five, you know, first two minutes of a song, you kind of get a sense of where the the song is going. Um, but ultimately, it's not about like being able to figure out what happens because no one is able to do that. But um, really, being able to mine, you know, but being being able to exercise your innate power of interpretation to. To mine your story for learning opportunities so that you can feel you can feel empowered or redeemed regardless of how your story unfolds. For example, one of my um, exercises is the climax exercise. I really had a hard time actually figuring out what that was going to be when I was writing it. It was the places where I always got stuck. And, you know, I thought, like, okay, people could envision their ideal climax or, you know, best-case scenario or the worst-case scenario. And, but I thought that something was kind of missing. And then I realized that the, the, what was missing is that, you know, it would be great if we could, everyone could predict that whatever the antagonist of their story was, whatever the challenge was, that it would be successfully, you know, that we, we would be successful in resolving it exactly the way we wanted to. But we don't really always have control over those kinds of things. So then I realized sometimes we just want to know, we, we just want to know that there's a way to have like, um, it, it's, it's an, like there's, if you have, in it, for example, a person who's the antagonist of your story and you want to um, have their blessing over a particular situation, you can't always guarantee that they will give it to you. But if you can, if you can, um, if you know that you, if you've worked through your own reservations about why you deserve the blessing, then you can give it to yourself regardless of whether antagonist is going to 
um, approve or accept whatever it is that you're that you want from them. So, in other words, as I write in my book, you know, many people ultimately want their antagonist's blessing, especially if our antagonist is a person. We may hope that he or she will come to understand our position or validate our choices. But in order to secure the blessing, it helps if we can give it to ourselves first. After all, you can't ask for something you don't think you've earned or even deserve. What if you felt so mentally, physically, and emotionally ready to face the challenges ahead that your sense of confidence and empowerment was success enough so that you wouldn't even have to even win the battle? Metaphorically speaking, what if you could ask your antagonist for a blessing knowing you deserve one without it mattering whether or not you received it? A client of mine put it this way. I used to think about how I might have the perfect conversation with my mother so that she could really understand me. I thought if she understood me, I'd finally have her approval, and then I'd feel like I was okay. Eventually, I realized that it didn't matter what words I chose or how perfectly I expressed myself, because her own issues were preventing me from real- preventing her from really hearing me. I knew that if I could quiet the voice in my head that tells me I'm difficult, even if this voice could be traced back to my mother, I would no longer need her approval, and this in itself would feel like a victory. Very cool. Mitigating the antagonist is the name of that chapter. Um, I need more of that. I was. I'm looking over your wonderful my life story uh, sort of outline. It's really cool, and it sort of goes into you know what's the chapter title, what's the plot summary, what's the conflict. You know, you know who who or what were your major antagonists, and then there's this interesting area called supporting characters and resources, which I find quite interesting. Who played a supportive mm-hmm. role? I, I wanted to ask you something from sort of a psychoanalytical perspective, and that is, as people are unfolding their stories, can they begin seeing a map of where they might be flawed, where there might be going amiss? For example, if I didn't have any supporting characters or resources, you know, helping me overcome my antagonistic, uh, you know, pain points uh, that that were, uh, you know, hindering my ability to achieve performance and finish my story of, of that particular chapter of my life with with flying colors and a climactical ending. (laughs) Um, Could you recognize that? Could you, you know, get in tune with that and fix that problem? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that's interesting. I hadn't really thought of it that way because the way I framed that chapter was like, when you're facing a challenge, you want to like take stock of all the things that you have, you know, going in your favor. So supporting characters and the kind of resources and yeah, so it of course it would it would make sense that if you were doing that chapter and you realize well like I don't really have enough communal support or uh, I don't really have you know enough supporting characters or you know I don't really have um, uh, you know some of the tools that I that I feel like I really probably need to go to get through this so yeah I think it would be probably really um, helpful to do to take that kind of assessment. Um, and, and realize, you know, have that uh, realization. Same with the other, you know, this that follow, the climax, you know, some people are in the resolution. Some people are avoiding the resolution. They're, they're continuing on with a monotony of a broken pattern in their life, and they, they don't understand that it's the definition of insanity and, you know, going over the same thing over and over and over again without any different result, the true definition of insanity. Don't you begin to see that when you unfold your, your, your life story in, in the way you've, you've suggested in writing this all down? Can't you see the flaws? And isn't that the purpose, really? Isn't that the purpose? 
Well, actually, the purpose is to provide a framework so that people don't get stuck in writing their stories that way. Because, for example, I have um, kind of the, the meat of, of the book, I, which is, is the conflict section where I have, and again, I frame everything through the elements of the story that everyone learned in high school. So you have, you know, the protagonist, the antagonist, the exposition, the rising action, the conflict, the funneling action, the resolution, and then the epilogue. So when you kind of, and that's like the architecture that people use to uh, deconstruct and reconstruct their story. So if you look at your story through those lenses, you'll see that, for example, in the conflict section, I talk about how, you know, every conflict exposed, in every challenging situation that you face, and again, conflict is just a necessary friction of the story and a necessary friction in life that helps you grow. Um, so in every, like, conflictual situation, like, there's, it's exposing a vulnerability that you have, right? Because by vulnerability, you could call it a weakness. I don't like to use that word because I think sometimes um, people, it's just not a, it's not a good word and people get stuck in it. But everybody's has, everybody has their own vulnerabilities in areas where they're working on you know, themselves. You might call it your under, underdeveloped emotional muscles. And so the idea would be if you're using the framework of the framework that I'm offering to see like to be able to identify or like the history of these vulnerabilities that are being explored because sometimes, you know, the same character keeps showing up over and over again and um and and you keep getting stuck. So it's a kind of looking at like like cast this character, who is this character that keeps you know, showing up in your story and what vulnerability is ex- is exposing. And once you've um, identified the vulnerability, then you can also identify, well, what's the, what's the growing edge? And by growing edge, mean, meaning like, what's the, what's the area, uh, if, if your vulnerability is fear, what do you need to work on? And that might be courage. And so you've, uh, then once you've identified that you have this vulnerability of fear and that you need to work on courage, um, I ask, I ask a lot of questions that sort of explore, you know, what they mean to you. But I also do these dialogues that people always love. It's always their favorite part of the workshops. And this book was a workshop before it was a book. Um, and during these workshops, they do dialogues where they kind of, with their, um, with both their vulnerabilities and their growing edges. And if, if I have time, I would love to read a short, um, a short dialogue because it's it's always just easier to illustrate by reading. Is that okay? Absolutely. Go right at it. Okay. So, um, wait, here's a vulnerability. Hold on a second. So, okay, so this is a dialogue with courage. So the protagonist says, courage, how can I access more of you? Courage says, first, know that I'm inside you. I've always been there since you took your first little baby steps. Protagonist says, but why do I have trouble finding you? Courage says, fear made you think that I had gone away, but I lay nestled like a lion under your security blanket, waiting for you to pull the covers off and exclaim, let's go, it's time to take a stroll through the jungle. Protagonist says, haha, you have a great sense of humor, Courage. Wish I could find the humor when I'm in my fearful place. Life seems so serious then, like every choice I make has monstrous consequences. Courage. The monster is not the consequence. The monster is the fear. Protagonist. Yes, but it feels so big. Courage. So shrink it down and put it, put it in its proper place. If you can be slightly more courageous than you are afraid, you'll be in good shape. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. 
so that each so that's an example of one of the dialogues and people can do that also you can do a dialogue with fear saying like why you know why why do you show up every time i'm on the brink of making a big change in my life you show up and taught me so it's sort of like i know there's a new book there's a new movie calling coming out called you know inside out that kind of personifies all the emotions so it's kind of the same idea where people are 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 dialoguing with these different parts of themselves and by doing that there's um you know, I'm always amazed at what people discover. So even if they're stuck, if they've been stuck in the same story, that helps them look at things a little bit differently. So that by the time they're in the climax section, when they're dialoguing with their antagonist, and again, I provide a frame. I provide a framework. If people read the instructions carefully, and I provide a framework so that these kind of dialogues don't digress into arguments with your antagonist. Um, and then they're able to give themselves the blessing that they want. I think they usually come out the other end um, feeling like they found this, they've found the silver lining narrative in 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 in, this, in their storyline. Writing a book like this is 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 probably a monumental feat. Who or what was your antagonist in writing this book? Did oh, you have was, one? Oh, completely. <laughs> It was definitely the book itself. I mean, I like I tell people, it took me a year to write a bad book, and and another year to write a better book. <laughs> I I was really challenging. It, it pushed me to to develop into the kind of character that could write a book. Um, I had a really hard time at the beginning. I had like I knew that I had a really good idea, and my workshops were always very well received. And I just happened to be one of those people that see things from a million different angles. And so choosing how I was, how, which way I was going to approach this book and kind of like figuring out what, what my voice was going to be. Was I, was I going to have to like make it more academic or would I share my, more of my personal story or, you know, how would I organize the book? I saw that there could be so many directions. And so I took them all at the same time <laughs> and it ended up being a very muddled book <laughs> at the beginning. So it helped me push it. It definitely pushed me. Um, and there were also a couple of, you know, misunderstandings along the way between uh, me and my editor. Um, I had a really, um, it pushed me to be, to be more assertive and also to be uh, more humble and, and recognizing the, the areas that were making sense and the places where I had, had to grow, that I really had something to learn. Um, and to refine, to refine and stand, you know, and refine and stand in my own voice. So um, it pushed me to grow in, grow, grow in all kinds of interesting ways. Um, and I feel like, you know, I feel all the much more uh, stronger for it. Fantastic. Kim, really great having you on the show today. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, me too. I've really enjoyed it. Who would you like to get a hold of you, and how can they get a hold of you, Kim? Who would I like to get a hold of me? Mm-hmm. Um, Any listeners? Anyone that's, <laughs> anyone that's interested in, in uh, reading the book, or uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a psychotherapist on the Upper West Side, if you're interested in using this as a, I'm up in New York City, I'm sorry, I forget that not everyone lives in New York City, <laughs> uh, but if, I, I have a private practice on the Upper West Side, I do writing workshops, um, I, I'm, I'm um, happy to do workshops, you know, all over the country, um, you can find me on um, stepoutofyourstory.com, uh, that's, my, that's my website. Um, you can also write to me at stepoutofyourstory at gmail.com. Terrific. Well, once again, pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. It's really been wonderful. Terrific. Until next week, everybody, I hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser, and ready to step out of your own story. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.
This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.